All right, brothers and sisters, so praises be to our loving Abba that we are able to study again his words and commandments. So today we will continue our studies of the book of Deuteronomy. We will uh, jump to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We talked about last week that the way Deuteronomy is structured, it's basically organized in three sermons delivered by Moses. The first sermon, it spans Deuteronomy 1 all the way to chapter 4. The first three chapters Moses recounts the history of the people of Israel, and we found several lessons that we can learn from, that we can apply in our life, because it is what the purpose of history is all about, right? We look at lessons that we can learn, apply them in our life. And so after recounting the history of God's people with Israel, Moses then goes to his conclusion, in the conclusion part of his first sermon that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And so he recounts the history of his people, Israel, and the reason why is because it's always good to review the past, right? Because if we don't review the past, we are bound to, to again follow the mistakes of the past. We want to learn from history because when we learn from history, then we are better equipped to face the future. The people of God, the new generation of Israelites, they're going to face the promised land. They are the future generation of God's people. They will not do well unless they learn from the past. But they can only learn from the past if they are able to appreciate and understand the greatest lessons that they can apply in the present. And this is what we can also apply in our life today. What can we learn from the past that we can apply in the present to prepare us in the future? Because we too are going through a journey because we are headed to the promised land of Yahuwah and Yahusha's kingdom. And so what was the greatest lesson? Because we are now at that point where Moses is delivering his conclusion his application in his sermon after recounting the past of God's people and its history. So what is the greatest lesson that we can learn from the history of God and his people Israel? Deuteronomy 4 verse 1, And now Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I am about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live so you may enter and occupy the land of Yahuwah, the God of your ancestors is giving you. And so about when Moses is about to give his conclusion, he is now declaring the application part of his sermon. And he says, now Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations and obey them. And so the greatest lesson that we can learn from the history of God's people and their dealings with Yahuwah himself is simply to learn to completely obey Yahuwah our God. If we can learn to obey Yahuwah God, we basically are able to manage our life well. We can live the best life if we know how to obey completely Yahuwah our God. It's unfortunate what often prevents people from completely obeying Yahuwah their God is because they think they know more or they know better than Yahuwah God. Or perhaps they think that they do not trust Yahuwah God enough because when they do, when Yahuwah God tells them to do something, they are afraid because they might place themselves in danger and Yahuwah God is not able to deliver them. And so there are always obstacles that prevent us from learning to completely obey Yahuwah our God. But this is the lesson, brothers and sisters, that we need to learn. If we are able to learn this lesson, to completely obey Yahuwah, our God, we will be safe in our path to righteousness and in our path to everlasting life. Let us learn this valuable lesson. However, what does it mean that we are to completely obey Yahuwah God? Deuteronomy 4 verse 2, do not add to or subtract from these commands I am giving you. 
just obey the commands of Yahuwah, your God, that I am giving you. What kind of obedience does Yahuwah God require from his sons and daughters? Bible says we must not add, we must not subtract from his commands. What must we understand about the command of God? Yahuwah God gives us commands for a reason. It has a purpose. Its purpose is for our preservation. It's for our well-being. And so if we add or subtract from Yahuwah's commands, we are basically ruining our life. We don't want to do that. We need to submit completely to Yahuwah God by not adding, not subtracting from his commandments. And how did Moses illustrate? How did he show them the value, the importance of obeying completely, not adding or subtracting from Yahuwah's commands? Verses 3 down to 4, you saw for yourself what Yahuwah did to you at Baal Peor. There Yahuwah your God destroyed everyone who had worshipped Baal, the God of Peor. But all of you who were faithful to Yahuwah your God are still alive today, every one of you. How did Moses show the importance of obedience? He showed them, look, you saw for yourself what happens when you disobey the command of God. Like what happened in Baal Peor? What happened to those who disobey? They are destroyed. How about those who, are, who, who obey? They are still alive. And so it's a matter really of life and death. Obedience translates to life. Disobedience translates to death. It is as simple as that, but at the same time as human beings, there's always something that interferes, that hinders our complete submission to the will of Yahuwah our God. The more quickly we learn this lesson, the better our life is going to be. And so the one thing the Bible tells us is that we can learn from the experience of the past servants of God. Do you believe that? There's a saying that experience is the best teacher. And when you learn by experience, you see that when you do something right, good things happen. When you do something wrong, bad things happen. And then you learn from experience. But let me submit something uh, to all of you. How about if we say something like this? The best teacher, I believe, is not experience but the experience of other people, right? In other words, we can learn from the experience of people in the past. What did they do that resulted in blessing? And what did they do that resulted in destruction? And so one of the best ways to learn is by learning from the experience, not only our personal experience, but also the people's experience in the past. And so here's Moses. He's telling us now through the book of Deuteronomy that we need to learn that those who obey, they live. Those who disobey, they die. And if we go further concerning disobedience, Moses himself has this to say and to teach to all of us. Remember, we too are, can represent the audience of Moses. Deuteronomy 4, 21 to 22. But Yahuwah was angry with me, because of you, he vowed that I would not cross the Jordan River into the land Yahuwah your God is giving you as your special possession. You will cross the Jordan to occupy the land, but I will not. Instead, I will die here on the east side of the river. What does that teach us about the command of God and the value of obedience? Moses, the teacher of teachers, right? A great prophet. The one Yahuwah God chose to represent the Old Testament, he's not going to go to the promised land. He's going to die. Why? Because of his disobedience. And so if Moses, who was a leader, chosen teacher, appointed, placed by Yahuwah God himself, will not cross the Jordan and enter the promised land, how much more us? You see, he was not above the law. And so we need to understand this important lesson that when it comes to obeying the laws of God, no one is above the law. The law of God is set in stone. And so we need to always keep 
that in mind. What also is the consequence of disobedience? Deuteronomy 4, 26 to 28. Today I call on heaven and earth as witnesses against you. If you break my covenant, you will quickly disappear from the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. You will live there only a short time. Then you will be utterly destroyed. For Yahuwah will scatter you among the nations, where only a few of you will survive. There in a foreign land you will worship idols made from wood and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. What also is the consequence of disobedience? Bible says, if you occupy the promised land, yet you disobey the covenant, you break the covenant of God, by disobeying his commands, what will happen to them? They will quickly disappear from the land and Yahuwah God will scatter them from among the nations. Of course, this was actually prophetic because it happened to the people of Israel. They broke Yahuwah's covenant. And what happened to Israel? We know Israel and Judah because Israel split into two, right? Israel and Judah, Judah as punishment from Yahuwah our God. Not only were they split, but they were also scattered. And to this very day, Israel can still feel the pain and suffering of that scattering that Yahuwah God did to Israel. And so we need to learn that when we disobey Yahuwah's commands, there will be consequences and these consequences is not something that we will enjoy however having said all that what must we also understand about the nature of Yahuwah God we know he's holy and because of his holiness he will judge and he will punish those who disobey his commands however he also has this to say Deuteronomy 4 29 but from there from a position of punishment from a position of exile from there, you will search again for Yahuwah, your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. This also applies to us today. As people of God, do we still receive his commands? Yes or no? Yes. And if we disobey his commands, it's called a sin. When we commit sin, there are consequences. Sometimes because of sin, Yahuwah, God. He will be nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be found. However, if we repent and in our repentance, we search for him with all of our heart and soul, what does Yahuwah God say? We will find him. Why are we sure that we will find God when we will search for him with all of our heart and soul? Deuteronomy 4, 30, 31, in the distant future, when you are suffering all these things, want to pause there for a while. And so in this part of the sermon of Moses, he's actually speaking prophecy now. He spoke history. Now he's speaking prophecy because God is inspiring Moses and he's telling Moses to tell the people in the future, the distant future, this is what's going to happen to you. You will be scattered because of your hard headedness. And so this is what he adds after they have learned uh, obedience through suffering. In the distant future, when you are suffering all these things, you will finally return to Yahuwah your God. And listen to what he tells you. For Yahuwah your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestors. And so, yes, Yahuwah God will judge Yahuwah God will punish, but because he is a merciful God, he will not abandon or destroy or forget his people. This is why it's a great blessing to belong to the people of God. However, we need to always keep in mind, we must not break that covenant that we have with Yahuwah our God. Because if we disobey the commands of God, we do not repent, then he will punish us just as he punished the people of Israel. So sometimes the hard way to learn to obey the teachings of God is when you go through suffering, right? But we don't have to learn it that way. There's a better way to learn obedience. What is that? When you obey, you get blessed. And this is what Moses is also teaching the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 4, 5 to 6. Look, I now teach you these decrees and regulations 
just as Yahuwah my God commanded me, so that you may obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Obey them completely, and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will explain how wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. What is one of the great blessings? When we are able to obey completely the commands of Yahuwah our God, we will earn a good reputation. Why? Because we will prosper throughout the land. And so people will begin to think and ask and see, these people are different. The other people are going through difficult times, but this people who calls upon Yahuwah God, they are different. They have wisdom and intelligence. That is the result of obeying the commands of Yahuwah our God. We too can have that kind of blessing. This is why if we want a good reputation from which we can bring others to Yahuwah and Yahushua, we must learn to first obey completely the commands of God. We cannot be instruments of righteousness. We cannot bring others, bring converts to Yahushua unless we ourselves first learn to obey completely the commands of God. What else is the blessing for those who obey Yahuwah's commands? 708, for what great nation has a God as near to them? As Yahuwah our God is near to us whenever we call on him. And what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteous and fair as this body of instructions that I'm giving you today. What also is the blessing for those who learn to obey, to value, to give importance to the commands of Yahuwah our God. Bible says God is going to be near them. So near, Yahuwah God is there when they call on him. Isn't this what we want? Right? When we call upon Yahuwah God, he responds. He's right there beside us. Yes, we cannot see him with our eyes because he has no physical form. But because he's so near, it translates into prayers that are answered by him. He responds to our call. And what, great, what greater blessing is there than that? than to have the fellowship of Yahuwah God to be there with you so that you can take that journey with complete confidence. And so let us learn to obey him. Not only that, what is the purpose of Yahuwah God anyways in giving us his commands? Do you know what that means? What does it actually mean for us to obey the commands of Yahuwah God? Deuteronomy 4. Remember that Yahuwah rescued you from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own people and his special possession, which is what you are today. What is the meaning, the purpose of the commands of God? Why does he give it to his people? It is so that we can be his special possession, his very own people. This is why when we have commandments of God to obey, it means we have a covenant with who? Yahuwah God. Because the basis of our covenant with Yahuwah God are the commands. Those are the stipulations of the covenant that he makes with his people. And so what does it mean for us to be able to obey the commands of God? It means we have the opportunity to participate in a relationship wherein we are considered a special possession a people of God. Is it a great blessing to belong to the people of God? Absolutely. Do you know what God is going to do for his people? What Yahuwah God did in the past for his people? Let's read the book of Deuteronomy 4, 32, 34. Now search all of history from the time God created people on the earth until now. And search from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything as great as this ever been seen or heard before? Has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from fire as you did and survived? Has any other God dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, war, a strong hand, a powerful arm, 
and terrifying acts. Yet, that is what Yahuwah your God did for you in Egypt right before your eyes. What does it mean to belong to Yahuwah God's people? What does it mean to be among those whom Yahuwah God considers his special possession? It means everything because Yahuwah God, just like what he did in the past, if you look at the past, what did he do for Israel? He says, look at all the history of all the nations of the world. Is there any nation just like Israel? Is there any nation where God spoke to them and they did not perish? Is there any nation where they witnessed the glory and power of God? The miracles and the wonders of Yahuwah God. Is there any nation who has been delivered by Yahuwah's mighty arm? That's why the Bible says if we belong to him, if we are his special people, then Yahuwah God will do special things for his special people. And so what will eventually, what will Yahuwah God do for the sake of his people? Deuteronomy 4, 35, 38. He showed us these things so you would know that Yahuwah is God and there is no other. He let you hear his voice from heaven so that he could instruct you. He let you see his great fire here on earth so he could speak to you from it. Because he loved your ancestors, he chose to bless their descendants. And he personally brought you out of Egypt with a great display of power. He drove out nations far greater than you. So he could bring you in and give you their land as your special possession as it is today. And so if we belong to the people of God, the Bible says that Yahuwah God will use his power and whatever is necessary. To take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Where? To occupy the land that he wants to give us. In terms of today, what does that translate to? It means Yahuwah God will do everything in his power to make sure we who belong to his son, Yahusha, will be brought to the kingdom of heaven. This is why Apostle Paul said... Remember his famous words in Romans chapter 8? If God be for us, what's the next line? If God be for us, who can be against us? If he gave up his son, because here in Israel's case, Yahuwah, he showed his people fire. He spoke from the fire. He showed great display of power. But for us, he did more than that. He displayed and showed his great what? His love. He gave up his son. That's why Apostle Paul says, if he gave up his son, how much more will he give you what you need? He will take us to the promised land if we place our hope and trust in Yahuwah God. That's why, brothers and sisters, it's a great blessing to be among those whom Yahuwah God calls as his special possession. If we, are, if we belong to Yahuwah God, we are safe. We can find peace and safety in that truth that Yahuwah is the one who owns us, that we belong to him. And today, through his son, Yahusha HaMashiach. That's why it's a great blessing to obey the commands of God. However, it's not enough that we obey Yahuwah's commands. We have to maintain our relationship with Yahuwah God. We have to continue that legacy of faith, right? And so what does Yahuwah want from his people so that this relationship, this covenant that we have with Yahuwah God will remain? Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. But watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. So what does Yahuwah God want us to do so that we are able to maintain that covenant that we have with Yahuwah God? Let's not forget. In fact, the Bible says, be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind. In other words, we need to maintain our zeal in serving Yahuwah our God. Because as human beings, what does human nature show us? It shows us that when we begin something new, at the beginning point, there's a lot of zeal, right? A lot of excitement, something new, 
And so we have that enthusiasm. And so we serve, we work, we worship, we're always present. It's very, very uplifting for everyone involved, right? But through the course of time, what happens? Complacency hits, sits in, right? We begin to sometimes get bored, perhaps. We begin to lose our zeal. Our enthusiasm begins to wane. The Bible says we must not allow that to happen so that we can maintain, so that we can grow in our zeal in serving Yahuwah God. What must we, know? What must we always do? We must always keep the memories of our relationship with Yahuwah God alive. In other words, we need to keep feeding our faith with the words of Yahuwah our God. And not only that, what must we also do? Pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Remember, who is the audience, the direct audience of Moses when he was preaching here? The new generation. This new generation, they never saw that power. Did they see the parting of the Red Sea? They did not, right? Did they see the miracles of the, the, uh, how, of, uh, the wanderings in the desert? No. They did not see that, right? Did they see the glorious fire of God in, on Mount Sinai? They did not see that. But what does Moses tell them about what happened in the past? Remember all of that. It's part of your heritage. We must pass it on to our children and our great and even our grandchildren. The audience of Moses here, how old were they? Well, 19, because everyone above 19, they all perished, right? So 19 plus 39 or 19, let's just say 40. 19 plus 46, uh, how, how old is that? 19 plus 59. my math, 59. And so, wow, so people, he's speaking to grandfathers, right? And so they have children and they have children's children. And so he's telling them the third generation must remember the commands of Yahuwah our God. What must they remember about Yahuwah God? Let's read 4 and 10. Never forget the day when you stood before Yahuwah your God at Mount Sinai, where he told me, summon the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. So how can we pass on the legacy of our faith, we have to include our children in our gatherings. Just like when Yahuwah God summoned the people together. So it was a big congregation. And there on Mount Sinai, Yahuwah God spoke to them. And so even today, let us include our children wherever they may be. You may not be in the same house. But in our gathering, in our worship services, let us include them that they will learn the teachings of Yahuwah God and they can pass that on to their children as well. And what is the purpose? What was Yahuwah God's purpose in speaking to all of us? In the book of Deuteronomy 4, 11, 12, you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while flames from the mountain shot into the sky. The mountains were shrouded in black clouds and deep darkness. And Yahuwah spoke from the heart of the fire. You heard the sounds of his words, but didn't see his form. There was only a voice. And so Yahuwah God wanted us to focus on his voice, right? He captured the attention of the people when the flames were there. But he wanted his people to focus on his voice. Why? Because his voice expressed his words. And what was the purpose of the words of Yahuwah our God? In 13 and 14, he proclaimed his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to keep, and which he wrote on two, two stone tablets, it was at that time that Yahuwah commanded me to teach you his decrees and regulations so you would obey them in the land you were about to enter and occupy. And so we, have, we see here that Moses 
is basically telling us what we need to pass on to our children is the stipulations of the covenant to maintain or keep the covenant we have with God to remain as his special people. What is the stipulation, the basis of that covenant? The commandments of God. This is why the greatest lesson is not just to learn to obey the commands of God, but also to pass them along to who? Our children. And if we will do this, brothers and sisters, if we will learn this lesson, to obey, to keep the commands of God, and to tell and teach this to our children, what will be our great blessing? Let's read 39 to 40. So remember this and keep it firmly in mind. Yahuwah is God, both in heaven and on earth, and there is no other. If you obey all the decrees and commands I am giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I am giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land. Yahuwah, your God, is giving you for all time. And so, brothers and sisters, in a nutshell, this is Yahuwah's uh, great lesson for all of us to learn. That when he gives us a command, it's for our own good. And so what we need to learn is to obey the decrees of God, pass them to our children, and we will enjoy a long life in the land that Yahuwah God is giving for all of us. So that's the, in a nutshell, that is the lesson, the greatest lesson that we can learn from God's dealing with his people, Israel. Now, to basically hammer that in to our hearts, there's a word in Deuteronomy chapter 4 that was repeated several times. And when we look at this word, it takes us to important points that we need to understand so that we can implement this greatest lesson of obedience. Do you want to know what that word is? <laughs> that word in Hebrew is the word samar, samar. The pronunciation key says shomar, samar, shomar. And what is the meaning of shomar? Well, if we look at the biblical usage of this Hebrew word, it means to keep, guard, observe, give heed. Right? To keep, have, have charge of, to keep, guard, to watch, to watch for, to watch, to keep, to keep, to observe, to keep, to preserve, protect, to be on one's guard. When somebody says, take heed, what does that mean? Watch out, be careful, right? It's kind of like a warning. And also at the same time, it tells us to keep, to observe. Because if you will not keep and observe this, something not good is going to happen. And so it serves like a kind of warning to be one's guard, to keep oneself, to be kept, to, ke uh, to keep, pay heed, to keep oneself from. That is the meaning of shomar. And the word shomar in Deuteronomy chapter 4 is found in six places. Deuteronomy 4.2, 4.6, 4.9, 4.23, 4.40, and 4.15. I singled out 4.15 because there's a slight difference there. I'm going to show you later on. But let's look at Shomar in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Remember, the purpose of Shomar is to highlight certain parts of the lesson to obey Yahuwah God, right? And so what are some of these highlights? It's like Yahuwah God is directing us to pay close attention to what he has to say in, in these parts of Scripture. What are they? Deuteronomy 4.2, do not add to what I command. Do not subtract from it, but keep the commands. And Shomar is in the word keep, keep the commands. Deuteronomy 4.6, observe them carefully. Okay, 4.9, but watch out, be careful not never to forget what you yourself have seen. 4.23, so be careful not to break the covenant that Yahuwah your God has made with you. 40, keep his decrees and commands. So what have you noticed when Shomar is being used in Deuteronomy chapter 4? It is about carefully obeying the commands of Yahuwah God. 
right? So that you don't break his covenant. But in Deuteronomy 4.15 has a special application. You want to know what that special application is? Because in Deuteronomy 4.15, not only does it mention Shomar, it adds a modifier to it, a modifier word. Let's look at Hebrew, I mean, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15 in Hebrew. And so that is what it says, take ye therefore good, heed. And so Samar is right there, right? In English, it is translated what? Heed. But on top of that, the word that comes before it, it basically modifies it, Samar. H3966. It's the word Meod. Meod. So Meod Shamar. Not just Shamar, but Meod Shamar. What does that mean? What does Meod mean? Well, if we look at the uh, meaning, the Strong's definition, Meod, Mehod means um, the following, exceedingly much with might, force, abundance, muchness, force, abundance, exceedingly, force, might, exceedingly, greatly, very, exceedingly up to abundance with muchness, muchness, I didn't even know that was a word, with muchness. Do you get the point? So there's a special application in 415. And Yahuwah God is telling us, obey my commands, keep my decrees, be careful to observe them, right? And then a special application in Deuteronomy 415 about a command that not only does he say we have to be careful, he says, be exceedingly careful, be abundantly Careful. When Yahuwah God places that in the scriptures, what does that tell you? We have to put strong emphasis on it, right? Because it's a danger to our faith. It's a danger to our covenant with Yahuwah, our God. And so what is that about? Deuteronomy 4.15. Well, in the NLT translation, this is how it's translated. But be very careful. That's why the word very is there. Moed. Right? And the other part, it says, be careful. Right? Now it says, be very careful. Not just careful, but be very careful. And so I'm wondering, what is Deuteronomy 4.15 all about? Let's take a look. Deuteronomy 4.15-18. But be very careful. You did not see Yahuwah's form on the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire at Mount Sinai. So do not corrupt yourselves. By making an idol in any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest sea. And so what was Yahuwah's concern for his people? Yahuwah does not want his people to make an idol in any form, a form of a man. Or a form of a woman. What is the warning of Yahuwah God? If we are to make an idol of the form of a man or a woman, the Bible says you will corrupt your self. Slowly but surely the people of God will be corrupted. Whenever the people of God is to create a statue or an idol of a man, or a woman. Very careful. Be very careful. That's what the Bible says. Right? This is why when we look at many churches and religions today, there are some churches that have statues of their religious leaders. Right? They have a nice statue of their spiritual leader. And they even say, well, we're not erecting those statues for the purpose of worshiping them. And so I'm thinking about this application. The law of Moses. Who was the greatest teacher of the Jews, the Jewish people? Let's talk about the Jewish people. Who was the greatest teacher? Who was it? The greatest teacher. I mean, uh, human beings here on earth. Who was the greatest teacher, the Jewish people? Moses. Right? Here's my question. The people of Israel, did they have statues of Moses? 
No, as a matter of fact, they forbid the making of statues. Statues of the religious leaders, not even Moses. They could not make statues of Moses. And so a professor of Jewish studies, his name is Rabbi Benjamin Black, and this is a brief biography. He's a frequent contributor to Aish, a professor of Talmud at Yeshiva University, an international recognized educator, religious leader, and lecturer. He's the author of 19 highly acclaimed books. So he's a rabbi. He's an expert on Mosaic law, right? And so he was asked about creating statues of religious leaders and why the Jewish people do not do that. Because we know the Catholic Church, they have some, you know, sometimes statues, but the Catholic Church is not the only one. We also know of other churches that they have one statue of their spiritual leader, right? And so this uh, rabbi was asked, why the Jew, why don't they have statues? I mean, the American people, they have statues of Lincoln, right? Of Washington and the other great heroes of American history. But nowadays, what are they doing with the statues? They're tearing them down lately, right? And so this rabbi was asked, how come the Jewish people, you don't have any statues? And this is what he has to say. While sculptors were busy for thousands of years honing their craft and producing works of great artistic merit, Jews took seriously the biblical prohibition important enough to be worthy of inclusion in the Decalogue. What's the Decalogue? The Ten Commandments. Not only were there no attempts to portray God himself for the obvious reason that one of the 13 basic principles of faith as enumerated by Maimonides, one of their respected and great teachers of Mosaic law, is that the Almighty has no form of a body and is not corporeal. But Jews shied away from any representations of even our greatest leaders and heroes. And so the Jewish people had no statues of their great rabbis. They had no statues even of Moses. And according to the code of the Jewish law, why is that prohibited? Let's keep reading. Again, this is from that professor. Uh, the Shulchan Aruch, the code of the Jewish law, allows one to create two-dimensional paintings and images of the human body. So you can have a painting. If you have a painting of yourself, a painting of someone you love, okay, as long as the entire body is not shown. <laughs> and Rabbi Moses Isaelis, known as the Rema, wrote that even a statue of a man is permitted as long as it is not complete. Today, most traditional rabbinic authorities follow this ruling, sanctioning depictions of the human body that are somehow incomplete, such as sculpt, uh, sculpted bust or the armless Venus d'Amelio, one of the most famous examples of ancient Greek sculpture, but the full depiction of a human being is undisputedly forbidden. So according to the code of the Jewish law, if you're gonna make a statue, make sure it's not complete, right? But if it's complete statue, it is undisputedly forbidden. It goes against the code of the Jewish law. It is in violation of the 10 commandments. You are not to make any images in the form of a man. The mere fact of creating an image or a statue of your religious leader is already in violation of the command of Yahuwah, our God. What did Yahuwah God say? Be very careful because that statue that you erect, it's gonna corrupt you and the people of Yahuwah God. Why? According to this rabbi, why even if it's for the sake of art, why? Are the Jewish people forbidden from doing that? Let's keep reading. The simple reason most often given is that a statue might readily become an object of worship. Maybe when it was erected, when it was sculpted, when it was placed, it was not for the purpose of worship, but it might be ready, readily become an object of worship. A very relevant concern when idolatry was Rampant today, the drive for worshiping wood and stone has been eradicated, right? Because we no longer live during the days of the Canaanites. We live in the modern society. Nobody worships wood and stone, 
Perhaps we can discover another rationale that, would, that we would find highly relevant today. A human being, take note, placed on a pedestal might not only be respected, conceivably, he could become deified, not as a god, but still no longer viewed as mere mortal, sharing human imperfections. And it is this most important truth that separates us from the almighty. None of us are perfect. And so when you place a religious leader on a pedestal by making a statue of him, it is like separating him from the rest of the people, developing that sense or idea that he was perfect, that he could not make a mistake. And that in itself is what? Idolatry. And this is why even to create a statue of a spiritual leader, that is idolatry. Well, what if one says, well, we're going to create the statue of our spiritual leader, but we're going to put a sign there. And the sign says, do not worship, do not bow down to this statue. It's not meant for that purpose. We place it there out of respect for him. This is what Apostle Paul says. Titus 1.16, they claim that they know God, but their actions deny it. They are hateful and disobedient, not fit to do anything good. So even if one were to place a statue of a spiritual leader and place a sign that says, do not worship, do not bow down, the mere fact that you built it in the first place is already what? Idolatry. But when can we say that the actions deny it? When can we say that when you create a statue of a man, that this statue is not just a statue, but in the words of Yahuwah God, it is an idol. Let's read. When does a statue of a spiritual leader become an idol? Number one, when the man represented by the statue receives excessive adoration, especially if he's like a spiritual leader, teaches the words of God, and you make a statue of him, and you give excessive adoration to this person to the point that you speak about him all of the time when you create and preach a sermon, when it centers around him, boy, when he's the center of adoration, then that statue becomes an idol. What else? Number two, when you are not allowed to question the man represented by the statue. What else? When permission to worship is required from the man represented by the statue. When you can't worship without getting permission from that man. Number four, when one must profess faith in that man represented by the statue. And so before a person can receive baptism, you must declare your faith in this man represented by the statue. What else? Fine. When you believe that the man represent, represented by the statue has power over the book of life. What else? Number six, when you need to first have fellowship with the man represent, represented by the statue to have fellowship with God. What else? When you believe that only the man represented by the statue has the Holy Spirit. What else? Number eight. When you believe that only the man represented by the statue can rightly explain the Bible. What else? Number nine. When you believe that by speaking against this man represented by the statue is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And lastly, and most important, when you base your faith only on the teachings of the man represented by the statue. Because there are some people today who base their faith only on the teachings of their spiritual leader. That's what they will say. We only believe what he said. We will not add to what he says or subtract from what he says. And so their faith is based upon this man represented by the statue when Yahuwah God is very clear right do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it but keep the commands of Yahuwah your God that I give you and so it's to, not to add or subtract from Yahuwah's commands not not to add or subtract from the teachings of this man represented by that statue and so if we have a statue of a man that covers all these 10 then that statue is already what an idol. Even if you put a sign, do not worship or bow down by your actions and beliefs, that statue has become an idol. And Yahuwah God said very clearly, Moed Samar, be very careful 
not to do that. Because if you do that, it will corrupt the people of God. It will corrupt the nation of Yahuwah. And whenever Yahuwah God speaks warnings like that, it's always going to come to pass, right? What is the warning of God for those who worship idols? And what also is considered idolatry. Here's another one. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.19. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. Yahuwah, your God, gave them to all the peoples of the earth. And so there are people also who are seduced by creation and everything creation produces. Human wisdom, materialism the occult and its practices, right? The powers of man. And so we must not worship what is created, like the sun, the moon, and the stars. Because during the days of the pagans or the days of Canaan, people worshiped the thunder, right? The moon, the sun, right? But they're created things. Nowadays, what seduces human beings? Money, material things, power. That also can be what? An idol. So Yahuwah God warns us against idolatry made of statues and idolatries made of ideologies. Okay. So we need to be careful with that. And if we will not be careful with idolatry, idolatry, what is the warning of Yahuwah God? 23, 24. So be careful not to break the covenant Yahuwah your God has made with you. Do not make idols of any shape or form. For Yahuwah your God has forbidden this. Yahuwah your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. And so when Yahuwah God says, do not make an idol of any shape or form, Yahuwah God means it. And Yahuwah God even said, your God is a devouring fire. And he is a jealous God. You have a statue and people are going to that statue. What do you think God is feeling? When part of the glory goes to the man represented by the statue, what do you think God feels? He's a jealous God. All of the glory goes to God. It doesn't go to any of us. It doesn't go to any man here on earth. It does not go to any spiritual leader here on earth. Be very careful because Yahuwah God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. And so what else is his warning? What does it mean he's a devouring fire? In the future, when you have children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, do not corrupt yourselves by making idols of any kind. This is evil in the sight of Yahuwah your God and will arouse his anger. Yahuwah God will not take it lightly. And this is why Moses, when he was speaking to his direct audience, the people occupied the land, right? But he said, your children and grandchildren, they might make idols. Maybe you won't, but your children and grandchildren, they might make an idol. And when they make that idol, they will corrupt themselves. And Yahuwah God will be aroused in his anger. And what are the symptoms? How can we know, how can we tell if Yahuwah God indeed is Aroused in anger because of idolatry. Let's read the book of Deuteronomy 4, 26. Today I call on heaven and earth as witnesses against you. If you break my covenant, you will quickly disappear from the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. You will live there only a short time. Then you will be utterly destroyed. For Yahuwah will scatter you among the nations. And this is what happened to the people of Israel. That's how God shows his, his anger. He will scatter his people. And it begins in the family. The family will be scattered. Not united, but scattered. And then it gets worse and worse until all of them are scattered. Beware. Be extra careful of breaking the covenant by making an idol of a spiritual leader. That is one of the warnings of Yahuwah our God. And this is something we need to heed, especially now. Why? Because Yahuwah God has made us his people. We, who are from the islands of the sea, from the far west, from the far east, there are expectations Yahuwah God has for all of us that we must fulfill, not break. What is that? Isaiah 24, 14, and 16. They raise their voices 
They shout for joy from the west, the acclaim, Yahuwah's majesty. Therefore, in the east, give glory to Yahuwah. Exalt the name, the name of Yahuwah, the God of Israel. In the islands of the sea, from the ends of the earth, we hear singing. Glory to who? The righteous one. Who is that righteous one? Yahuwah. But I said, I waste away, I waste away. Woe to me, the treacherous betray with treachery, the treacherous betray. What does Yahuwah God expect from us? Because we have a covenant with him. Because we are his people. And because of that covenant, what does he expect from each one of us? Bible says, exalt the name of Yahuwah. Acclaim Yahuwah's majesty. Give glory to Yahusha. Give glory to the righteous one, not to the spiritual leaders. You see the point? Brothers and sisters, we are the ones who come from the isles of the sea and the ends of the earth. What does Yahuwah God expect from us? Let's turn to Yahuwah. Glorify him and exalt his name. And this is our work in the assembly of Yahusha. And it must be our work to continue to do that. We pass it on to our children that they will learn to place their hope and trust in Yahuwah our God. That was the final, the, the conclusion of the sermon of Moses, his first sermon, right? But after his sermon, he did something. Before we go ahead and finish up, after he finished his sermon with his conclusion concerning obedience, he did something. What was that? Let's read in Deuteronomy 4, 41, 43. Then Moses, he's no longer preaching, right? He's acting now. Then Moses set apart three cities of refuge east of the Jordan River. Anyone who killed another person unintentionally without previous hostility could flee there to live in safety. There, uh, these were cities, Bezer on the wilderness plateau for the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead for the tribe of Gad, Golan in Bashan for the tribe of Manasseh. And so after the sermon, what did Moses do? He established three cities called cities of refuge. What was the purpose of the cities of refuge? It was a place where you can be safe. You're not allowed to be killed or threatened or uh, be physically accosted there, okay? Because sometimes accidents happen, right? Maybe you accidentally kill someone and the family members that are someone you accidentally kill, well, they want revenge and they want to kill you too. And so what they usually do is they go to the place of safety. It's called the city of refuge. refuge. I mean, nobody wants to be hunted down. How do you feel? when you know a lot of people are angry with you and want to put you to death. You feel paranoid, right? You feel a lot of fear. You have stress. Doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that what we're going through today, right? I mean, we're, we don't have someone who want to kill us, but look at poverty. Look at the pandemic. Look at the natural disasters. Look at terrorism. What do they want to do? Don't they want to kill us too? So what do we need? We need a place of refuge. refuge. We need a place of safety. Does it mean we're going to go to the Jordan River, east of it? And go to Bezer? Go to Ramoth? Go to Golan? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, who is ever present as a refuge for us? Psalms 46, 1, 2, 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, Selah, Bible says, we don't have to go to those three places appointed a city of refuge to find safety. Where can we find safety? Where can we find our refuge? Yahuwah God. What kind of refuge is Yahuwah God? Bible says ever present. Yahuwah God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And so we can always go to him. These days, there's so many things that cause people terror. To the point that they seek safety. The Bible says if we make Yahuwah God our refuge, we will not fear. Even if. The mountains fall into the heart of the sea. We haven't seen that yet, have we? Yeah, we have heard of earthquakes, but we have never seen a mountain fall into the heart of the sea. But even if that happens, we will not be afraid. 
if Yahuwah God is our refuge. But how can we make Yahuwah God our refuge? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. I love you, O Yahuwah, my strength. Yahuwah is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to Yahuwah who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. How can we make Yahuwah God? Our refuge and place of safety, call to him. In other words, trust him, worship him. The Bible even says, and brothers and sisters, to complete the most important lesson of all, I want to direct your eyes on the first part of that verse. What does it say? I love you, O Yahuwah, my strength. Brethren, do you love Yahuwah, your God? We mentioned earlier that the greatest lesson of all is to learn to obey Yahuwah God. And Yahuwah God says, if you obey all my commands, he will bless you with long life, with wisdom, intelligence, prosperity. But my question to you is this. Will you still obey Yahuwah God even without the blessings? Will you still obey Yahuwah's commands even if it doesn't come with wisdom, intelligence, long life, and prosperity? Will you still obey his commandments? If you will say, brother, yes, I will still obey Yahuwah God. Even if I will not be saved, I will still obey Yahuwah God. If you're able to say that from your heart, because you mean it, then you have fulfilled love for Yahuwah God. That's what it means to love God, to obey his commands, not because we have to. To obey his commands, not because of the rewards, but to obey his commands because you love him. Brothers and sisters, how much do you love Yahuwah? Are you willing to sacrifice everything? Are you willing to do what is difficult? Even if it meant that you have to suffer instead of gain. Brethren, those who have truly learned the greatest lesson of all are the ones who will obey the commands of Yahuwah. Not because of what it can get them, but because of their love for the one who takes care of them and loves them. That is Yahuwah, our God, brothers and sisters. Let us show to him that he means everything to us. That he is our God whom we will obey no matter what. If we can do that, then we have learned the greatest lesson of all. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father. Yes, Father. Yahuwah Abba. Amen. Please believe your people. Yes, Father. When we say to you, we love you Amen. with all of our hearts. Yes, Sometimes we are not able to do yes. what we truly want. Yes. We have faults. Yes, we have imperfections. Yes, but if you look deep in our hearts, yes. we love you so much. Yes. Amen. We have nothing here on earth yes, that we can boast of. Yes, but Father, the only thing we really want yes, is true fellowship with you. Amen. If we have you, yes, we have everything. Thank you so much yes. for loving your people. Amen. It means everything to us. Yes. And so, if you will give us life, yes, we will use it to honor you, yes, to obey your commands, yes. and we will teach them to our children as well. Amen. 
Help us to overcome hindrances. Yes, Teach us to place our hope and trust in you. Yes, Father. Father, look at our life. Yes, Whatever Father. our shortcomings may be. Yes, Teach Father. us to build up our character. Yes, so that we will be worthy of you. Amen. We know even though we are not worthy. Yes. Because of your unfailing love, yes. you find ways to do make us worthy. Amen. Thank you for not giving up on us. Yes. Praise you for ever loving Abba. Yahuwah, remember your people. Yes. As we prepare for that day when you will send your son. Yes. Remember our loved ones. Yes. Remember our children. Yes. Keep us safe. We want to see each other yes. in your heavenly abode, the holy city. Yes. We know that you work on behalf of your people. Yes. These are the other blessings. Yes. The true blessing is your fellowship. Yes. Thank you so much yes. for being there for us. Amen. We make you our refuge. Yes. We go to you and call to you. Yes. Listen to us. Yes. Be present before us. Yes. Help us every day. Yes. Heal those who are sick among your people. Yes. What can we do on our own? Yes. We are but dust. Remember our names. Yes. Look upon us now. Yes. Deliver your people. Yes. Give to us your testimony yes. that we indeed belong to you. Amen. Yahushua, our King. Yes. We are beginning our preparation to yes. remember your sacrifice and death. Yes. Help us to do it right. Yes. To honor you properly, Amen. prepare our minds and our hearts yes. that we will be one with you yes. in perfect unity of heart, yes. that we may declare the purpose of your sacrifice, yes. that many more shall be turned to righteousness. Amen. Father, thank you for listening to us. Yes. Thank you for we belong to you. Yes. Always help us to be strong yes. amidst persecution and tribulation. When we cannot stand anymore, yes. lift us up with your hands yes. to the point we can feel your sustenance. Yes. How we will be filled with joy yes. to lean on you and trust you yes. always in our life. Yes. Thank you for listening to us. Yes. Completely pardon our sins. Yes. For we ask everything loving Abba. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.